Welcome to Slaughterhouse Stories. I hope you enjoy the stories I have for you tonight. Hello to all you things that go bump in the night. Hello to all you humans as well. Welcome to the show that brings you creepypastas, short scary stories, and dark horror-themed poetry from all across the world. This is the Slaughterhouse Stories Podcast, Episode 16, The Bone Baron. I'm your host and narrator, Ghost Drain, telling you to lock your doors, get under your blanket, and keep the lights on. Remember... You can email into the show at slaughterhousestoriespodcast at gmail.com with creepypasta requests, your own horrific recommendations, or your own real-life paranormal encounters. Before we get to tonight's first story, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you're enjoying the show, please head over and leave a review through iTunes and help spread the word to your friends, family, and the sirens that are calling you closer and closer to your doom. Whomever... Tell them, be a listener, not a victim. Tonight's first story, credited to Duvio and Temmington, about someone named Zoe, a box full of cassettes, and what happens when you decide to play the tapes you find. When will you fleshbags learn? If you don't own the trunk of strange tapes, don't touch it, and don't play with it. We don't like people disturbing our stuff. So let's check these tapes together. Maybe one of us is on there. And then we'll see what happens as you listen to audio cassettes. I suppose I should start this passage with a bit of an introduction. I refuse to give out my real name. So you could just call me Zoe. I remember when I was around four. We used to live in some small town in Missouri. I have very few memories of this town, or school, or anything like that. Hell, I can't even remember our own damn house. The only distinct memory is of me walking down a hallway to see my mother in her bedroom for some long-forgotten reason. I suppose there is one thing I remember, though. I'm pretty sure it was spring cleaning or something, as my parents were up in the attic clearing stored boxes. We were about to move and decide which boxes were worth the most to keep in our new little home. My parents found a container, and unlike all of our boxes that we had up in that dusty old place, this storage unit was more of a trunk. I remember my parents were baffled by this, as they had no memory of buying this case. They decided to take it anyways, without even looking to see what was inside. Perhaps the case would have been worth something if they were to sell it. To this day, I still don't know their motives for bringing the trunk to our new and current residence. I wish they didn't take the damn trunk with them. No surprise, when we finally moved in, the trunk got shoved in the attic again. I forgot about it shortly after that. I focused on reality, and it wasn't until I was 13 when I saw the trunk again. My family was spring cleaning, or something like that, and while exploring the attic, I found the trunk. I wanted to know what its contents were, but yet I didn't, and thought I should just leave it alone. 
Alas, curiosity got the best of me. I tried to open the trunk. I was expecting it to just remain closed, or be locked and leave it at that. But to my surprise, the trunk opened with ease. The trunk was filled with numbered audio cassettes. There must have been over 500 of those tapes. I took the trunk and took it to my room. It was heavy, but I managed to carry the load to my room. I actually bought an old cassette player recently, just to play the things. Some of the cassettes were normal and whatnot. Just recordings of your average conversation. Some were even humorous. Like the 40-second tape referenced the Hitchhiker Galaxy. Unfortunately, most were rather disturbing. They all had different voices, scenarios, and scenery. With that said, I began to wonder how they ended up in one big trunk. Nevertheless, the fact that they were in my own fucking attic. Here's what some of them said. I have this weird pimple on my right ring fingertip. I don't know where I got it from. Seriously, how the hell did I get this? Tape 217. At this point, I should mention that I didn't play the tapes in any particular order. Just grabbing one or two random tapes from the trunk at a time. This one didn't creep me out too much. It just unsettled me. I wish I could say the same for the rest of them. Tape 126 was scrambled. The only words or phrases that I could make out were the son of, goddamn, fuck, die soon, and euthanize. It was at this point where the tapes were genuinely starting to be creepy. Was it a son of somebody angry that he had to euthanize his dog or something? Was somebody's son about to be euthanized or killed? I didn't think about it much because I wanted to listen to more tapes. Plus the fact that these damn tapes were creepy enough without thinking about. Oh God, what have I done? I shouldn't have gone in. He told me that I needed to, but I just can't follow through. Mr. Brown has always been a good man to me. I can't do this. Tape number 140. These are starting to get even more fucked up. I don't want to think about it more, but I can't help but wonder what happened. The tapes all describe a situation in the most vaguest way possible, while conveying a genuinely disturbing storyline that never gets detailed enough, so you're still clueless about the whole tape. It both disturbs me, yet fascinated me, so I continued to play more. God damn it. She told me that she would be with me forever. She... Damn it. I'm gonna kill myself. I hate her. I hate the world. Tape number 166. Holy shit. These are fucking creepy as hell. I don't get scared easily, but I can't help getting the chills by these. These fucking tapes. I want to just stop now, but again, my curiosity got the best of me, and I continued to watch the damn things. Oh god. Mike saw something outside. Was it Dan? Oh god, I hope it wasn't Dan. Please, please no. Not Dan. No. Tape number 108. This was too much for me. I promised myself that I was done with this. I would take the trunk back into the attic and never touch the fucker again. There was one tape on the floor that caught my eye though. I don't think it was in the trunk. I closed the damn thing after picking up that last tape. No tapes were on the floor then, but there it was, smack dab in the middle of the floor. What also struck me as strange was that unlike the other tapes, this one wasn't numbered. Well. I suppose it was numbered, but it was numbered zero. Tape number zero? 
even though I promised myself to watch no more tapes. This one intrigued me most of all. I decided to reluctantly watch him. It started off with static, as if a person was recording TV static. In fact, that's what I think was happening. That immediately struck me as strange. After that carried on for about five minutes, the static, or rather the TV that presumably was making the sound, abruptly cut off. It was at that point where I could hear scratching on a door of some sort, perhaps a stray animal wanting to get in or something. That theory was quickly cut short, as heavy panting of fear made it obvious that this wasn't some raccoon begging for scraps of food. Like the static, this continued for an unreasonably long time, until about three minutes later, when the person managed to muster. It's coming. I never should have found those damn tapes. Oh look, I found Zoe's tape. I guess she didn't get away with looking after all. What? Why do I have it? No reason. <clears throat> Perhaps others will learn to leave the tapes be, but hopefully not. From one woman's tale to a tale about some very special women, it's time for the next story of the night, written by Shinigami Eyes. We hear the tale of the underworld as it relates to the hollow earth theory and the prize waiting for the one who patiently explores this hidden world. But just because you find something beautiful in that world doesn't mean you should bring it back to this one. Marvel at the beautiful danger and enjoy Beauties of the Underworld. Some things are never quite what they seem. When one refers to the underworld, we instantly think of demons, fire, brimstone, eternal suffering, and the overpowering odor of sulfur. I can tell you now, it's nothing like that at all. Did you know, there's a series of tunnels beneath all civilization. This is somewhat related to the hollow earth theory. Tunnels weave in cryptic patterns and lead to an entirely different world inside of this one. This world is green and lush, but mountains riddle the land, making it very easy to get lost. You will live among the world's creatures, and you will likely lose any remnants of sanity. But, if you calmly and patiently explore, you will come upon something astonishing. You will find the most beautiful person you've ever seen, nude and shackled to a cliffside. They will look very hungry, and most likely, they will be sleeping very deeply, or appear to be in an unconscious state. At this point, you will most likely want to release them. The chain is weak and easy to break, so freeing them will not be a problem. But they are so weak, they won't be able to walk on their own, provided they wake from their deep slumber. Now, you have two choices. You may linger here with this being and waste away, or you may take them home and live as you had before, only now with a mysterious new housemate. But keep in mind, it would be best to keep your lovely new friend a secret, or something horrible might happen. Go ahead and try to feed them. Try to give them liquid for their thirst. All such things will be spurned, albeit non-violently. They sleep for most of the day. They will not walk upright like a human. They will crawl like an animal. 
They are mute and unable to speak. Try what you will to hear their voice. They come from a place where there was never a need for human language. Despite this, they will seem to behave in a more and more human manner every day, although they may just be mimicking you. Living in the overworld with you, they are likely to grow ill fast. In fact, they may die. There is only one way to save them. Feed them the only thing they will eat. Blood. Any blood will do, whether it's animal or human. Animal blood doesn't satiate them quite as long or as well. Human blood seems to make them the happiest and most content. This usually only means one thing to you. You will become a murderer to see your new pet happy, to keep them content and well-fed, and most of all, to keep them by your side. If he or she is not fed enough, they will escape and devour whatever appeals to them, only to return to your home and sleep like a full-bellied kitten. Sometimes, though, the being will only eat whatever is nearest. In this case, being one who labeled themselves as their master. The last thing many of them will see is the gnashing teeth of the beauty they had collected and their own blood dripping down their sharp, vampiric teeth. No one ever sees it coming, the poor souls. They become lost in the underworld, much as their pet was. Their humanity became lost, and now they are no different than what he or she is because of those who have ventured to the underworld. These creatures are now among us. They are so silent and only gain the ability to speak once they have killed their first human. But, enough of my silly story. What I've been meaning to ask you is, who's that quiet stranger you're with? They're rather easy on the eyes. Did you get a good look at their teeth? I really need to stop finding stories that make me hungry. Here I am, supposed to be doing this show, and all I can think of is food. Humans can so easily end up on the wrong side of dinner. It's a wonder any of you are still alive at all. But let us leave those beautiful creatures to their meals and move on, because it's time for this week's horrific recommendation. This week I want to recommend to you magician, podcaster, and author Andrew Maine. His new book, a follow-up to The Girl Beneath the Sea, was released in February, and I'm telling you, this might be his best yet, and I go all the way back to his earlier work, like Public Enemy Zero and The Grendel's Shadow. I gotta reel myself in because I could talk about his books all night, and I got people to haunt. But, if you're looking for an exciting, entertaining read, pick up Black Coral, a thriller, book two of the Underwater Investigation Unit, and meet up again with Sloan McPearson, and the underwater investigation unit as they find a van at the bottom of a Florida lake that for four unlucky teenagers became their watery tomb as Sloan lured a serial killer out of hiding. Find out by picking up Black Coral right now. Go. Move. Now that I've given you this week's recommendation, let's take a trip down to open mic night at Beazle Pump. Welcome, fiends, to open mic night at Beazel Pub, where we invite you to sit right here 
and go into the more poetic side of fear. Poems of murder, creatures, and ghosts. All the things that scare you the most. Tonight's Open Mic Night brings another appearance by the amazing Edgar Allan Poe with his poem of having love, but having it tragically taken away. But first, a poem by an unknown author who also knows what it's like to have love snatched away from you with you helpless to stop it. Feel the pain in their words as you listen to My Lost Love and Annabelle Lee. My love was lost so long ago under the night of the rising moon. Her beauty aimed across the sky where the sun would now set soon. Her legs were free within the air overlooking the pounding waves. But alas, within her soul there stood a loss I could not save. The clouds were painted with fuchsia. The sky changed red to blue. The sun was turning crimson and the day would soon be due. The birds chirped in the distance, their wings spread over sea. We were so happy, both of us. We were as happy as could be. The stars stared down upon us. Their shine defied the night. The moon, a solid pearl, cast her grace on us with light. The crickets chirped in the distance. Fireflies flew past our eyes. The true form of this world now stood uncovered by our lies. We slept together among tall grass and woke to a newborn day. We ran across the fields together and laughed in the months of May. We thought we'd be together until we reached the end of our days. But my day had come too early and her heart was tossed away. I walked along beside her, but her eyes stared from mine away. She walked along the fields in May. The clouds faded to gray. I walked along beside her, but her eyes stared from mine away. My love was lost so long ago under the night of the rising moon. Her beauty aimed across the sky, where the sun would now set soon. Her legs were free within the air, overlooking the pounding waves. She jumped from above, closing her eyes. Her life I could not save. Before the last few seconds, her eyes opened one final time, and finally her vibrant eyes had met upon my own of lime. She worked a smile, then came a tear, her life no longer borrowed, but I could see her spirit not, and my heart overcame with sorrow. It was many and many a year ago, in a kingdom by the sea, that a maiden there lived whom you may know, by the name of Annabel Lee. And this maiden, she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child and she was a child in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love. I and my Annabelle Lee. With a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago, in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud chilling my beautiful Annabelle Lee. So that her high-born kingsman came and bore her away from me to shut her up in a sepulcher in this kingdom by the sea. The angels, not half so happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know, in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabelle Lee. 
but our love was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we, and neither the angels in heaven above, nor the demons down under the sea, could ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabelle Lee, and the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And so, all the night tide, I lie down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride, in her sepulcher there by the sea, in her tomb by the sounding sea. There really is no one better than Poe. I know we'll be hearing more of his words on this show. Maybe a bird of some sort will make an appearance. But until then, it's time we stumble home from open mic night and move to the final story of the night with the monthly feature, The Newcastle Chronicles. This month, we find out what the figure behind Newcastle has in store for the world this time. When a father's very generous but random gift to his son turns out to be something that changes his son's life forever in ways a father won't live long enough to regret. Don't sleep. Don't move. Definitely don't eat. And enjoy the Bone Baron. People are right when they say life changes quickly. One moment, you're a 12-year-old boy playing with a new toy your father got you from the Newcastle Road flea market. The next... You're covered in your parents' blood, chewing on the pieces of flesh you stripped off their body. I don't know what led up to this. Everything really was so normal. My father, Kevin, was a great, hardworking, fun, not-too-strict kind of guy. My mother, Cadence, was a work-from-home software tech who was never too busy to play with me or make me something to eat during the summer when I was out of school. They loved each other so much. There was almost never any sort of fighting. Then... Denise. The newborn baby sister came home, and it felt like the family was complete. I don't know why it all went wrong. It was a regular Saturday in July. It was hot outside, but not too hot to play. The playground had the sprinklers on. So mom took us down to play and cool off. I held on to Denise tightly, as we went through the refreshingly cool water of the sprinkler. So much for the sunscreen mom and sister we put on. We were walking back to the house just as dad was parking the car. He had been off grocery shopping for the week, but apparently stopped by the new flea market that popped up on Newcastle Road last weekend. Dad would always do things like this. Stop off and buy something for everyone, just because he'd like to see our faces when he surprised us. Mom got flowers like usual, and he had toys for us. One was a very creepy looking doll that I can't imagine is good for a baby, and the other was an old style fighter jet with a propeller and everything. Obviously, I went straight out to the yard and pretended like I was the greatest dogfighter in the history of war. At first I thought I was the Red Baron, but a better name popped into my head. The Bone Baron. Cool, right? Dinner time is when things got weird. We were sitting at the table, just eating spaghetti with cheese and bacon, and then the lights flickered. It was creepy, but also not surprising, considering every house in the neighborhood was running their air conditioners. But the little thuds and bangs would have nothing to do with that. The little doll sitting in the living room chair only added to the creepiness. 
Then, the lights went out completely. Ugh, it's going to be a hot night in the house. Mom went and lit some candles. Dad took the baby upstairs to put in her crib. I followed Dad upstairs, because I had a lantern light that we could use. Dad got it for me as part of a hunting set. But when I went into my room, a fog sort of fell over me. I stood there for what felt like forever, staring into my dark room. Finally walking over to the hunting set, I grabbed the lantern and let the light fill the room. But I also grabbed the large hunting knife that was next to it. I don't know why I grabbed it. I don't know why I unsheathed it. My dad's voice was behind me, but it was cloudy, muffled. Hey buddy, let's get downstairs, and maybe we can build a fort and tell some stories like we're out camping. I turned and plunged the knife into his stomach. Blood immediately spewed from his mouth as he fell to his knees. The next one went directly into his heart. I stood there watching the life fade from his eyes, shock and fear and confusion on his face. I love you, Dad. I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm so, so sorry, Daddy. Please forgive me. I began hacking and stabbing uncontrollably. Pieces of skin and muscle littered my floor, resting in the pools of blood that poured from Dad. I picked up fistfuls and shoved them into my mouth. This was disgusting. Horrific. But I couldn't stop. I chewed and ate those chunks of Dad like I'd never eaten before. I could hear Mom moving around downstairs and picked up my knife screaming at myself in my head to stop this, but my body moved on. The knife stuck into her back, puncturing the lungs so she couldn't even scream. She fell straight away, the candle she had been carrying landing on her arm. I put my weight down on her body. I put my weight down on her body so she couldn't move. The sounds of her muffled voice and the smell of burning flesh filling the room. I don't know how many times I stabbed her. I couldn't count. I think she was already dead for most of them. I took the knife and cut out the chunk of her arm that had been burning. I bit into it with such fury. It tastes so much better when it's cooked. I'm sorry, Mom. I love you. I don't know why I'm doing this. I can't stop. Please forgive me. I went upstairs and got you out of your crib and brought you downstairs with me. My little baby sister, I'm supposed to protect you from the evils of this world, but I don't know what is wrong with me. I don't know why I'm telling you about everything that just happened. You're too young to understand. I guess I just needed something to do while waiting for the pot of water to boil. I'm so sorry, Denise. I love you. I don't know why I'm doing this. Please forgive me. But it really does taste so much better cooked. And with that, I dropped my screaming sister into the pot of water and waited. And waited. And waited. Cooking this way takes so long. But it really does taste so much better cooked. I finished my second dinner and turned to see what I'd done. My family gone. Dead. Why did I do this? I don't understand. But something heavy hit me in the back of the head and I fell to the floor. I turned over and looked up. Standing over me was a man in an aviator uniform. Parts of his face were flayed down to the bone. No cheek on the one side. Just teeth and bone. And an evil in his eyes. In his hand, the toy my father bought me. He raised it and hit me again and again and again, until darkness. I woke up in the hospital, surrounded by police and doctors, asking me if I knew what happened, if I'd seen the man that murdered my family and beat me nearly to death. I was amazed. I'm going to get away with it. That can't be. I opened my mouth to speak, 
but the aviator was in the corner, with a boned finger to his lips. I passed back out. When the room was empty, I opened my eyes, and he was leaning over me in bed, right next to my ear. I'm the Bone Baron, and we're going to have a lot of fun. The Bone Baron has found himself a new host. This kid will now be out here doing the work of Morningstar. Welcome to the club, kid. And yes, I think we could all agree. It really does taste so much better cooked. Now I believe there's enough scares for this week. I hope you will join me again next week for more stories that are sure to keep you afraid during the day and awake at night. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the stories that I had for you tonight. And until next time... Stay spooky.